This is a new podcast series called Real Life Motivation. Your hosts are Rachel Day from Flying School and Kelda Wood from Climbing Out. Together, we're going to be chatting around what helps us stay motivated. We're going to be sharing some of our top tips and ideas and always sharing our real-life experiences so that we can keep things real for you. Thanks for joining us. Welcome, Kelda. Lovely to see you outside in this fantastic weather again. Um, We've been blessed, haven't we? (laughs) I think when we look back at these, we'll realise how much great weather we've had, actually. Um, So lovely to see you. Let's um, get into what what are we going to talk about today? What's our concept for today? So today we're going to look at um, the chimp paradox and a lot of people have potentially heard about it. You know, it was a a theory put in place by um, a guy called Dr. Stephen Peters. Um, He started working with elite sports people, um, British cycling, footballers, um, and I think it's it's really now a recognised tool for for people in general, not just elite athletes. Um, So we're going to look at that, but really simplify it and keep it real and keep it very relatable to to real life. Um, So hopefully, especially at the minute, that will be really useful to people. Thank you. Brilliant. So what is it then? Can you, are you able just to sort of clarify what it is in a nutshell? Yeah, so so again, this is a massively simplified um, version of it. I, I always think I'm a really simple person. You know, if I get too much information, I don't remember any of it. Um, so that whole keep it simple, stupid, m- massively applies to myself. So, so I guess I've sort of learned, I've always said I would rather give three pieces of information and people remember them and give 20 pieces of information and people remember nothing um so this is a simplified version if it kind of floats your boat and you want to find out more i would say go and read the book because there is a whole heap more behind it um but the very very simple breakdown of it is that stephen peter says um that the brain is broken down into three different parts your chimp your human and your computer um, the chimp is our oldest part of the brain. So that goes back to the days when we were chimpanzees in the jungle. And it's all about survival. Um, you know, the, the, the job of the chimp brain is to keep us alive and keep us safe. So if there's any kind of threat to our food, shelter, water, um, herd, the chimp is going to flash and react. The downside of that is that your chimp has to become quite paranoid um, because to keep you safe, he's looking for danger in everything. So he can become paranoid, he can jump to conclusions, um, he can become illogical and irrational. Um, Sometimes that can really work for us when it keeps us safe and keeps us alive, but we'll talk a bit later how that can also be a bit of a pain in the bum sometimes um, and work against us. Um, And there's the human part of the brain. So the human part is the more logical, rational thinking. Um, It's kind of who we are when we're in a very sensible, logical state of of mind. And the human part of the brain will assess the evidence, process it, and then come to a logical, rational decision based on the evidence that it's seen. The, The trouble with that is it takes longer. You know, obviously that's a process. So it takes time 
to assess the evidence, process it and come to a decision. So in certain environments, it's very easy for the chimp to hijack things because your chimp is stronger and faster because he reacts instantly because he has to if he's going to keep you alive. So it's kind of really interesting again, and we'll talk through examples in a minute, how in certain situations your your chimp can jump in and hijack situations and stop you from making logical, rational decisions. Um, and then the final part is the computer. And the computer really does what it says on the tin. Um, it's like the computer that you buy, and when you buy it, the hard drive is blank. It has nothing on it. Um, well, it's the same with the computer in your brain. So the computer in your brain stores all your past experiences, learned behaviours. Everything gets put into files and folders and lodged in that computer for future reference. Um, and what happens then is your chimp and your human will refer back to that computer for information. So when you get into certain situations, the chimp will refer back and go, have we been here before? Was it dangerous last time? If the answer is yes, boom, your chimp reacts. If the answer is no, he'll chill his beans and sit down and let the computer process it. Um, and that can, again, that can be really useful in keeping us safe. But what can happen is that it will create some automatic responses that aren't necessarily true in the situation we're in. And that's how we can become affected by our past experiences because they're stored in our computer, they're there as a point of reference, and that can then hold us back when we get in similar situations. Um, so yeah, that is the very basic, basic um, fundamental working of, of the chimp paradox. And it's called the paradox for a reason, because it's how the chimp can be your best friend when he's keeping you safe and keeping you alive. But he can be the worst enemy at times um, when he becomes paranoid and irrational and illogical and emotional. Um, and so the key really is about managing your chimp getting to know your chimp and knowing what sort of chimp you have yeah and I, and I think often we end up trying to to decide to get rid of our chimp because they're not helpful as opposed to realizing that actually that's impossible so I know you're going to go on to some examples I the only thing I would add to what you said which I thought was a brilliant simple explanation is that when we store the information in our computer we're probably storing it as distorted information so although we think we've stored some information it's our view of the world and our view of that particular experience that we had and that may or may not be factual it's our perception I guess so sometimes we then are referring to information in our computer that isn't always true it's it's our take on it I don't know if you yes. agree with that yeah and and I think um I mean a great example of, of chimp brain working and kind of what you've just said there um, in some research Rachel is we were working with a group uh, of young people who'd been involved in the Manchester arena bombing and we took them caving um, and outside the cave there was a rucksack that someone had left who had gone down the cave and didn't want to carry their rucksack on on their back now one of the young people saw the rucksack 
and went into meltdown. Um, because the last time she saw an unattended bag, a bomb went off. So she got distressed, she got emotional, and she wanted to run away. Um, now we managed to take her to one side and explain the chimp paradox to her. And if you think about it then, okay, unattended bag. Chimp refers to the computer. There's a past experience in that computer that last time there was an unattended bag, a bomb went off. So he is shouting as loud as he can, get the hell out of here. This is danger, 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 danger. Run away, have a meltdown. You are not safe. So totally understandable that she reacts in this way. But once we're aware of how our brain works and the way that the chimp works, she was then able to press the pause button, which is one of the tools that we'll talk about in a, in a minute about managing your chimp, to just pause long enough to let her human brain step in. Once her human brain stepped in, she was able to say, OK, we're in the middle of the Peak District. We're with a group that we've gone caving. They've told me that someone else has left the bag outside the cave because they didn't want to carry it down. So actually, thanks for your concern, Chimp. But we're okay because I now know that that bag has been left there by someone going down the cave. Um, and I think that it is back to what we've said through a lot of these podcasts about that awareness you know, until you're aware of how your brain is working and and um, why it's reacting in the way it is, she thought she was losing the plot. She thought she couldn't cope with life. She thought she was having a breakdown following the bombing. Actually, no, your brain's just reacting in a normal way. But once you understand how it works, you can start to manage it. And then she was able to go down the cave. She she stopped getting emotional. She didn't run away. And she went, okay, it's a bag that's been left outside the cave. And she went down the cave. So really, really powerful once you start to become aware. Um, and, and we'll give you the opportunity to really sort of manage situations. That's brilliant. Thank you, Kelder. And, and such a good example of us going from a situation that feels hopeless and we'll never get over. And we've got um, an entitlement to never get over it. Given yes, been through. absolutely. And, uh, and I think that's a really, 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 really important thing in that that memory from the bombing will always be in her computer because everything gets stored. It's part of her. Um, and it's part of, of her memories, her past experiences, and it will affect and define things moving forwards. But once you become aware of that, it's then recognising it's okay for my initial reaction to be, ah, it's an unattended bag. That's okay because it's part of me. It's in my computer. That doesn't mean it has to hold me back and stop me from doing things. Um, and I think for all of us, you know, really relating this back to Corona, the coronavirus and lockdown, really, really interesting how in some of the um, conversations I've had with young people, the word lockdown triggers bad emotions because some of the young people we've worked with through um, climbing out have been um, abused, you know shut in rooms, locked away. Um, one girl we work with uh, was held captive for a long period of time. 
So the word lockdown has very negative um, triggers for them because they refer back into their computer and they've got some really bad experiences in there. Um, and I think recognizing that that's okay, you know, there's a reason why that triggers some bad memories then enables you to, to manage it. Um, the other really important thing is sometimes about replacing those bad memories, experiences in your computer with, with good ones. So if I can give you another example, um, Rachel, uh, another program we ran was climbing out. We were doing an ab sale and one girl didn't want to do it. And I was saying, why don't you want to do it? I'm scared of heights. So I said, okay, is there a reason why you're scared of heights or is it a bit of a, just an irrational? I said, no, 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 it, it, it's irrational. And I was like, okay. So then we started talking about the chimp and, you know, wanting to keep her safe because it's not normal to throw yourself off a 120 foot bridge, you know, and, but we have got ropes and everything. Uh, and um, anyway, then she said, actually, there is a reason. When I was a child, I was abused, and part of the abuse was I would be hung over a bridge and they would pretend to drop me. So then we were able to say, okay, so you, there's a reason why you have a fear of heights. You know, you've referred back to your computer, and there's some genuine reasons why you wouldn't want to go and do an abseil off a bridge. But what we were able to then do was rationalize that. So, okay, can, where are you now? Well, now I'm in the Peak District. Okay, what are we doing? We're doing an abseil. You've got a harness on. You've got ropes that can hold a minibus. You've got qualified instructors doing it. Okay, so this situation is different. And having processed that logically, she was able to then do the abseil. The great thing with that was she then put, and she loved it, you know, we then put a good experience in her computer related to heights. She then had a choice. So next time she was in a position where she was on a bridge or up high, she had a choice which past experience she referred back to. They're both still there. You know, none of them are going to get erased, deleted from the computer because unfortunately there isn't a delete button like there is on a on a laptop. Um, but she did have a choice. And the more we focus on the good experience the habit then becomes a back back to referring to the good experience and the bad experience starts to to fade it's still there but it starts to fade um manchester bombing going to concerts you know those first concerts someone goes back to after being involved in something like that is hard is really hard but then sometimes they can replace it with new experiences and it, you know that i think is a really it's fascinating knowledge to know that you can do that. You don't have to be defined by the bad experience. It will always be there, but you don't have to be defined by it. Thank you. And I think that what's really powerful is, is almost facing it in the present rather than thinking of it as a past experience. So almost bringing it into, so how, but where are you now? I thought yes. that was a really powerful thing that you, that you yes. then Kelda. The other thing that it's made me think about in terms of the information we have in our computers, which seems to trigger the reactions of the chimp or, um, or the human, is that sometimes it's not our information in our computer, it's, it's other people's information that they've almost handed to us as true. 
And um, so, for instance, I might be afraid of fairground rides because everybody's told me they're they're scary. Yes. So I've never actually been on one or tested whether I am afraid, but I've got that piece of information in my computer yes. that's telling me not to do it. Yeah. Does that and and that if that's what you're being told you know your chimp is going to flash and kind of say well you've been told that this is dangerous so you can't possibly go and do it um you know he's just trying to do his job but mm. actually it, he becomes very limiting then um and I think a really powerful part of that especially linked to the situation we're all in with lockdown and how I bet we've had way more arguments with our family that we're living in close I mean I'm, I'm lucky I live on my own I've only got my dogs and they don't answer back so I, I can't speak from my own personal experience on this one but if you look at what heightens chimp behavior it's when things are threatened so right now our freedom is under threat our um it, you know a lot of it relates to ego um you know because that's herd status and because we can't go about our normal business we can't do what we normally do um you know at the beginning food was threatened I mean it realistically it wasn't but we all thought food was threatened so our chimps were raging and that was why everyone was rushing to the supermarkets and buying stuff that was a chimp reaction because suddenly our chimp was going you might starve to death get food get food um so I think all of us in the current situation need to recognize that our chimp behavior is being heightened but also it's not just your chimp behavior it's everyone else's as well and that's when we end up in a lot more chimp to chimp behavior um and chimp to chimp behavior is never going to get us a good result because both parties are being irrational and emotional and illogical and paranoid and jump into conclusions that ain't going to end well you know, and I think for us to recognize when you may be having a fallout with your partner, your your kids, your, whatever it might be, that none of us are acting normally at the minute because that chimp behavior is, is so heightened. Um, recognizing it and then being able to step away. And I've had to do it a couple of times just over the phone where I've recognized I'm getting chimpy, the person I'm speaking to is getting chimpy it's like do you know what let's just put the phone down and speak again tomorrow when we've both calmed down because it's getting irrational and if you're in a chimp to chimp or even a chimp to human conversation it's not going to get a good result you both need to be in human mode before um you actually start to get a better outcome fantastic and I think it's really uh, just worth reminding people that it's not just our, our own chimp. We've got to be aware when other people's chimps are in, are in action and almost be less hard on them because it's just their chimps that, have, that are heightened and that's why they're behaving the way they are. Yes. Um, and I think sometimes that can help us be a bit more tolerant as well, can't it? And, and I think as well when people are lashing out and maybe saying things they don't mean, once you're aware of chimp behaviour, instead of getting hurt by it and falling out and getting divorced, um, you know, you can actually recognise, okay, they probably didn't mean that. They're just getting chimpy, they're getting emotional, they're getting irrational. It's not an excuse. They better bloom and apologise once they calm down. But I can understand why they're doing it. It's not that yeah. we're fundamentally going to fall out over this, which is really, really powerful really powerful um so yeah you really useful tool um 
and and I think that actually leads on to something else that's really important to say Rachel is because it's all well and good having this awareness but for me the key is what do we even do with this awareness you know how do we manage our chimp um and there's there's a few different ways and we've mentioned the pause button you know a big one for me is when I feel myself getting chimpy and and my chimp hijacking situations I actually visualize a pause button like you get on a on a you know the telly or whatever when you pause the, a film I just visualize that and it just gives me a second to just stop and that is long enough for your human to step in um so the pause button fit for me is a huge one um, in just allowing me to manage my chimp. Um, another one is exercising your chimp. Now, difficult at the minute with the current situations. And I think that's partly why there's probably more chimp behavior going on. But, you know, for some people, when they get wound up, it's going for a run. It's going, uh, putting some music on really loud and, you know, or having a shout and a scream or going out and digging the garden or walking the dog. Or um, I often used to find before lockdown that by the time I got to the afternoon, I'd be getting a bit chimpy because I'm, I'm tired, I'm grumpy and, and my chimp's just starting to rattle his cage a little bit. Sometimes I could feel like the world had ended. I'd go to the gym, I'd do a session in the gym and I'd walk out the gym and wonder what the hell I'd been getting my knickers in a twist about. Um, so that really is about exercising your chimp. And I think that exercise can be whatever works for you. It doesn't have to be physical exercise. It can be music, reading a book, whatever it is that works for your chimp. Um, but really important to, to recognise that. Um, and I think... There's two others that I see as really powerful. The first is acknowledging your chimp. Your chimp wants to keep you safe. If he thinks you're in danger, he's going to shout. If he thinks then you're ignoring him, he's going to shout even louder. So, for example, the girl with the rucksack and the cave, he sees that as a serious danger, serious danger. If she just went, shut up, chimp, this is fine, he's going to shout louder because you're not listening to me. This is dangerous. You've got to listen. You've got to listen. And he's going to rattle his cage. He's going to jump up and down and he's going to shout until you've been in listen. But by actually going, thank you, chimp. I hear you. I know why you're saying this. But actually, here's the evidence. We're in the Peak District. We're with a group. So thanks for your help. Really appreciate you doing such a good job, but you can chill your beans because we're okay. Now then, your chimp's going to be, ah, okay. She's listened to me. She's heard me. She's checked it out. And actually, she's now showed me that it's okay. So I'm happy to go back to sleep. Um, so a huge one. Like it, For me, my own personal opinion is that ignoring your chimp doesn't work. You, you know, actually, you've got to acknowledge what mm. they're saying. and. And that's the best chance of of calming them down. Um, and just one final thing. So we've had we've had pause button, exercise, acknowledge. The other is preempt your, your chimp. Um, when I was on the GB squad, 
we used to have a process that the morning of a race, I would take my dog to walk and I'd have a conversation with my chimp before he started rattling his cage. So it would be, okay, chimp, what are you worried about today? Well, what if we get beaten? Okay, yep, good point. That won't be a great situation, but we might not get beaten. So actually, there's no point worrying about it now. But if we do, we know we have a process in place to deal with that. So we can stop worrying about that now because we'll deal with it when and if it happens. What if I? What if you capsize at the start? Well, yeah, okay, that might happen. But actually, when was the last time I capsized? I haven't capsized for eight months. So actually, chances are it's not going to happen, Tim. But if it does, it's not the end of the world. We just turn the boat up. They'll pause the start. I get back in. You know, so you almost cross the problems or the worries that your chimp might start shouting about and you have the answers ready um so the way my coach used to explain it is one plus one equals two we don't have to work it out do we we don't have to go one two we just know one plus one is one two plus two is four we know the automatic answers so you create the answers when you're in a logical state of mind so that when your chimp does start shouting, when you're sat at the start line or about to do whatever it is, you've got the automatic answers there to, to chill his beans. So um, those, I think, are four great management tools to, to work with your chimp because, you know, at the end of the day, he's there to keep you alive. So you're better off working with him and have him, as, and I say him, it could be her either, um, as, a, as a friend rather than a foe. Perfect. So it's not about um, wishing you didn't have a chimp or trying to quieten them down even. It's just trying to manage them. And those are four brilliant ways of doing that. I think the only one I might just um, check in with you in case you had any tips on is is probably the first one, which is the pause one. And it's almost like when you're in the heat of the moment, how do you, you know, your human isn't speaking to say pause. Yes. And your chimp's never going to say pause. So actually, how do you pause? How do you do yeah. it? Um, and that really is about training. Um, so it, it's, I think we've said it before, you know, you don't go to the gym once and your muscles get fit and strong. It's the same with, with your mind. You have to work at it. A lot of the time initially was um, for me, I use the pause button a lot now. But it wouldn't be till afterwards that I'd go, oh, my chimp just totally hijacked that. I should have pressed the pause button. But the, the first step was becoming aware. Um, it is tough because you're right. As soon as you start to get your chimp behavior, it's, it's very difficult um, to, to manage that. But the way I see it is think of your chimp as like a dog. You know, a dog has a mind of its own. You can't control your dog's mind. Ultimately, it behaves how it wants to behave, but you can train it. So great example at the minute. My dog was chasing a stick. My little dog was chasing a stick the other day. I picked it up to throw it. He jumped up and he bit at the stick, but he actually caught my arm and he broke the skin. Now, I use my dogs on the programs. I cannot have a dog doing that because if that happened to a young person, we'd be in trouble. So I've now started to teach my little dog that he has to sit and wait before I throw a stick. Now his chimp is raging because he's really excited and he wants to chase a stick, but I'm repeating and repeating and repeating and repeating 
and now he sits and waits until I throw it and then and then he goes so it takes time and effort but it is about being aware first up and then training training your chimp you've got to work hard at it you know because he does have a mind of his own um but train him I, I think really really important thing to say is if it's a life and death situation he will override everything mm-hmm. so you don't have to worry that you know you're about to step out into the middle of the road and a car's coming at 60 miles an hour that you haven't seen and oh I've trained my ch- chimp to pause and that pause might mean I'm going no in that situation your chimp will override everything so you don't have to worry that 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 pause will work against you but when you feel yourself starting to get into an argument where you feel yourself start to get emotional about something um you can train yourself to just go whoa 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 just pause for a second let's just assess it so time and effort Mm. is my answer to that I think that's a that's a great answer and it the the only other one that sprung to my mind is is asking sometimes for other people to help you. So I'm thinking about uh, my son with the PlayStation when he gets really stressed and angry. And you, if you try and fix at that point and say you shouldn't be getting angry or this shouldn't be working, or it just makes the anger even higher. And so his tip when he was able to calm down and, and think of it as a human was to say, when I get angry, will you go and get me a glass of water? And that allows him to pause and then then brings it back. So sometimes we can ask other people to sort of help us out as well. And and it's really interesting because that glass of water then becomes the trigger for the pause button. Mm. Because the one thing we found quite funny, the guys that did the Atlantic row this year, and we we talked about chimp and how, you know, there was massively heightened chimp behavior in those boats because everything is is at threat. But one thing we recognize is if you see your crewmate getting chimpy and you kind of go, Ooh, getting a bit chimpy, aren't we? Chances are that's going to push their chimps buttons even more, (laughs) you know? So sometimes that might not be advisable, but like you've just said there, if you've got an agreement that I go and get a glass of water, that's the the trigger to say just pause just breathe for a minute and allow your human to step in so I think that's that's great advice Rachel I might use that one myself <laughs> so why don't we bring this to a close Kelda um we've you did a really great summary before of how to manage your chimp but are there any other key points that you want to make sure that we we go away with yeah I mean I think as far as what to take away from the podcast today is those recognizing those three parts of the brain and what they do. Chimp, all about survival and keeping you safe, but can be irrational and illogical. Human, logical thinking based on evidence, computer, past experiences, learnt behaviors. Three key parts, key points about them. Um, and then that managing your, your chimp. So the pause button exercising acknowledging and preempting um and working out what is right for you and your chimp and what what works for you um and then also recognizing when you're getting into a chimp to chimp conversation and really being aware of when to just step back let people come down and come back when you're in a human to human mode and 
that will probably save a lot of marriages. Um, so, um, so yeah, those those would be my key points from today. So thanks, Kelda, so much for that summary. That's brilliant. And I guess the only other thing to say is that we've really only just touched the surface with um, some fantastic work that Dr. Steve Peters did on the chimp paradox. So do go and read his book if you'd like more information. I think you can follow him on Instagram. Um, And I think there's been a lot of other people that have done some tools and techniques around this. So um, do do go and have a look for them and, and find out more. Um, So that's brilliant. Look forward to catching up with you next time. Thanks, Rachel. Cheers. So that's the end of our podcast for today. Thanks so much for joining us. Please do share if you can with people you know that might find it helpful. You can also find much more out about Climbing Out and Kelda at climbingout.org.uk or find out more about learning to fly at flyingschool.fun. Thanks again and see you next time.